Hello, and welcome to another episode of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Anna of Wax and Wayne Studio. Hi, everyone. Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Andrea of Third Story Workshop. Hello. Now, before we jump into all the quilty fun, Andrea, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Andrea Sang Jackson. I live in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, all the way on the East Coast. And I am a textile artist, teacher, quilt maker, author, and me. <laughs> Kick ass lady. <laughs> okay, now that we know a little bit about you, we are dying to know what is the story behind your Instagram handle? So, my Instagram handle is Third Story Workshop. And it is the space in which I work, which is the attic of my hot house in the summer. <laughs> um, it is not well insulated, so it is cold in the winter and hot in the summer. But um, we never um, planned for this space to be my studio. It was actually, sorry, I have to backtrack a little bit. The last house that we lived in uh, five plus years ago, had a little attic space with a pitched roof and it was my little space. It didn't have a door on it, um, but I made a couple of quilts in that space, which I was pretty happy about. Before that, I was hauling out my machine to the dining room table. I'm sure lots of you are familiar with that. Uh, for every time I needed to make a block or a series of blocks uh, and then have to put everything away. My kids were very small at that, at that time, so um, they couldn't be like around machinery or needles or anything. Uh, now they're much, they have much more self-control. Um, <laughs> but back then it was a little more tenuous. So, um, so in the last two houses that we lived in, the last one and this one, I've kind of taken over the attic space. Where do you move in the winter? In the winter I do, there is like an electric heater up here. So it's not <laughs> terrible. And in the summer, sometimes I move uh, my sewing machine downstairs. Um, but that is all changing. I'm moving again next month. And Ooh, so oh, wow. um, I will still keep the name Third Story Workshop, but I will be on the second floor. <laughs> It'll so, be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us more about your quilting journey. Like how did, how did it all begin? Yeah, like a lot of people, I made my first quilt when I was pregnant with my first baby. This was in 2011. And I was like, well, let's, uh, I can make a quilt, right? <laughs> I can design it. I've, I was working in, I've been working in design for a long time, so I could design one. Um, and I was like, well, then I'll just make it in fabric, no problem. And so I, uh, I did, it was kind of, when I look back on how I constructed it, it was kind of, it was quite clumsy. There's much more, much more elegant ways to make this quilt top, but I designed a block and it was a, I had never seen a modern, modern quilt before. Um, so this, the quilt block was, you know, it was like made of half, half square triangles, a flying geese unit, which I didn't know anything about. I just somehow ended up foundation paper piecing it 
um, but I didn't know Sorry. why. <laughs> Do we have an allergy to FPP over here? Just like for that to be your first quilt project, I feel like that is, you love it. Like that, that's a make or break it situation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I, I didn't know any better. I honestly didn't. So there were 12 blocks. It was in like a grid, there were sashing, there were quarter stones or keystones and um, a border. And the back was a bit more modern. I just used the scraps. The coloring of it was a bit more modern uh, than what I'd ever seen or imagined in, in a quilt. Um, so it was a gray with yellow and orange. They were all prints. And um, that was my first quilt. And then my second one, which was intended to be my last one, my last baby and my last quilt, um, that is when I discovered solids um, and it may, I made, there was 2000 triangles or something and they were all hourglass blocks uh, or quarter square triangles. Uh, yeah. Quarter square triangles. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did it. I didn't know that's what they were, but <laughs> I cut individual triangles and then made a square out of them. Oh, so, wow. um, I honestly had no idea what I was doing, but um, that one took me like 20 months to make or something. The kid was, a toddler by the time I finished it <laughs> and um but it was like oh I was like oh there's like something here that I feel like I have a voice in this medium I don't know what that means but I discovering solids was really a way for me to see that there was something here for me for folks who aren't um familiar with your work can you kind of describe your quilting style as it is today yeah it's um I'm, it's very hard for me to define because I I'm a little bit of a, I get distracted very easily. And so it, it seems all over the place. Um, but from what others have told me, which is a really good way to just to, to, um, to identify what your style is, is to ask somebody else to look at your body of work and have them describe it. Um, people say it's crisp, uh, clean, vibrant, but not loud. Um, lately, I've been using a lot more neutrals. I do love neutral colors. Um, but you'll see there's a lot of color uh, that I do use, especially when I'm designing for other quilters. I know that there's a lot of um, desire to learn how to use color, use it uh, well and responsibly. Um, so, <laughs> so that kind of knowledge I really do like delving into, uh, just not for my own kind of personal work because it's, there's less color in it. Going back to your, the beginning of your quilting journey. So like who taught you how to sew was it your mom like or did you just you know watch youtube videos how did it all kind of begin uh my mom we did a couple of projects with my mom uh, my sister and i uh, but they were pretty they were pretty specific um and so i didn't really have any of my own time to um explore so much um they were pretty focused <laughs> which is I, that's just my mom. Uh, and so, um, so it wasn't like I was, a, you know, exploring as a kid sewing or anything like that. But she did give me um, a sewing machine for, my, for Christmas when I was a young adult, when I was, I think, in between undergrad and grad school, somewhere around there. And so I did kind of just go at it and make whatever I felt like making. I made a couple of bags, <clears throat> um, did some screen printing because I wanted to I was a really, I'm a really good dabbler as I, this, this, this may be apparent already. Um, but 
you know, I didn't come to it as something that I thought was my own until until the the quilting came along. And yeah, there was I I was all self it was all self-taught. Um I found one particular YouTube video that I liked for foundation paper piecing and one particular YouTube video that I liked for binding. And I haven't deviated from those at all. I've developed my own ways of doing things, but um yeah, I haven't taken I've since I joined a guild, I started taking some workshops and taking some workshops at QuiltCon, but um yeah, I don't know. I, I've never taken a beginner quilt class, for example. So when you're designing quilts, is there anything in particular that you draw inspiration from? Um, this might be seem a little circular, but uh, quilting. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. I, I really do appreciate that we belong to a history and that the story of quilting continues with what we do. Um, as modern quilters, I, I'm assuming that we all describe ourselves as modern quilters, but that may be not the case. Um, and uh, so I do really love traditional uh, blocks and, you know, there's so much, you don't, we don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? There's so much knowledge there already and so much design uh, acuity and, and sense already in, in quilting. Um, I do really love kind of being able to reference history, the history of quilting and um, what that means for us today and moving forward. Um, and um, architecture and design really influenced me. That's what my background is in. So, um, you know, I do really think about spaces a lot and how quilts might fit into spaces. I do want to keep pushing that envelope forward uh, when I, as I move along in kind of my artist journey what is, you know, how can a quilt transform a space? Um, those are kind of big questions and the kind of overarching trajectory of where I want to head. Um, so I, space really does, uh, does influence the way I think about quilts. As I was stalking you on your website, <laughs> um, I noticed you design both like modern quilt patterns for people to purchase and, and follow, but you also, um, I don't know if everyone likes the term art quilts, but you create art quilts to be hung in galleries. Um, do you approach those two designs in different ways? Like, do you think about them differently? You were talking about space. I don't know if maybe space plays a part more so in gallery quilts or the other way around. Yeah, I've been, this is a con constantly evolving conversation in my own head about um, who I am, what my practice is like, and uh, how do I differentiate what art my art is versus what is what is my designer um, profile or uh, how I design. So um, there, I think that I think that artists. It's taken me a very long time to call myself an artist. It was very uncomfortable at the beginning. I've been able to call myself a designer no problem. I was like I felt like a legit designer. I trained in it. I worked in it um, before I started quilting. So I was like that is a very comfortable title for myself. Uh, but artists felt like that was where the imposter syndrome came. I was like, can I call myself an artist? Um, am I a folk artist even? Because how I learned was, you know, from YouTube, from my guild mates, from, um, you know, I didn't go to school for textiles. Um, so that kind of identity has been um, shifting and I'm getting more comfortable with, with what that means. And I mean, it's different for everybody, but I think a lot of artists, you know, they have, they, have, they wear so many hats. 
Um, you know, a lot of, of artists are, you know, they teach in, in universities and colleges, they teach art there, but they also have their own art practice and they have their, that, that's their research and that's how they approach their work, their own personal work rather than the, the work that they teach. Um, so I kind of think of myself as that, my designing and teaching, those two are together. I design a certain way and I teach through those designs. And then my art practice is um, developing and I'm trying to find what my, my true voice is. Um, you know, the design and teaching follows the market a little bit, like what do people want to see? What do they want to learn? That kind of thing. But the artist stuff is my, it's like my own, my own, my own whims and desires of like what I want to create. And I don't have to worry or don't want to worry about how somebody's going to perceive that piece um, as a person who is potentially purchasing it or purchasing things from me, whether that's designer services or, or the actual object. So um, that art side is more exploratory. It's a little bit less bounded by, um, bounded by what people want to see. It's just what I want to explore and what I want to create. So my latest work that was in an exhibition was uh, a double wedding ring quilt, but it wasn't a proper quilt. It was uh, an app. It was made of, of um, secondhand wedding dresses cut up and then um, appliqued onto uh, a silk organza. Then it was hung a certain way. The hanging took as much figuring out as the actual double wedding ring <laughs> motif. Um, and so that kind of work, I'm not looking to necessarily um, have my quilting audience, which is quilters, uh, you know, other than to kind of to look at the work, I don't expect them to want to learn from me through that necessarily. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. But eventually, I'm trying to think about this in a long term kind of way is that when I do that exploratory work that channels into how I design and teach. So that kind of cycle of creating and exploring, um, which happened with the gemstones, actually, the gemstones were completely just like a thing I wanted to do. And then that translated into uh, teaching and a book and patterns and things like that. So that kind of cycle is what I kind of want to keep going and, and keep momentum on and keep things fresh and interesting for myself and creative, creatively fulfilling, um, but also be able to teach about those things, whether that's through workshops or lectures, um, different formats would probably be more conducive to whatever subject matter that I was exploring. So, with your gemstones, those are all foundation paper piece, correct? Yeah. So as someone who is, um, let's say, hesitant to dive into paper piecing, how would you uh, how would you convince me to give it a try? I think of it as uh, freedom from the grid. So if you want to deviate from uh, something that's set into a square or a rectangle or right angles, um, whether that can be a, a curve in there, you know, you know quarter circle or half circle, um, but you're, you get limited to certain angles and certain, you know, six degree angles is as about as wild as you can get maybe like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you want to go crazy and like, there's an infinite number of possibilities when you think about foundation paper piecing, you could draw anything and it could be foundation paper pieced, um, even a curve, right? So, um, that is how it would try and convince you if you want to <laughs> maximize the space of a, the canvas of a quilt uh, in terms of 
uh, like just liberation and freedom, <laughs> then I would try foundation paper piecing. I feel like there's a manifesto in there somewhere <laughs> that needs to be written. <laughs> By the way, for our listeners, um, when we're talking about this gemstones, we're referring to um, Andrea's book, Patchwork Lab Gemology, Transforming Fabrics into Facets. Yeah. It's a fairly Thanks. new book. It's a fairly new book. It Wasn't it launched earlier this year or late last year? Late last year. I mean, yeah. time, what does time mean anyway at this point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been about, yes, it was like a fall of last, of 2019, mm. which definitely how, feels like a lifetime ago. How is the whole like book launch process and everything for you? Because that must have, again, must have felt like a lifetime ago, especially with this whole COVID thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's it was fun to connect with other quilters to help with a blog hop. I have to admit that I couldn't put my like 100% energy into marketing it when I launched. Um, but as as time goes on, you know, like this, this book will books don't go bad. They don't go rotten. So uh, same with patterns. So I think that there's a lot of mileage that I can get out of it. I will be teaching from it at QuiltCon together in 2021. After that, I will launch um, my own online course um, a, through of using using those patterns and teaching intro to FPP, Amanda. <laughs> and, Do I get uh, a discount? Yet? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, so you know, there's there's a lot of mileage I can get out of it still, and um, gemstones are there's a certain thing about them. I I approach them in a kind of a modern graphic sense. There's other artists that. Um, have a more photorealistic approach to the way the gemstones are rendered in quilts. Uh, mine are a bit more minimal, as minimal as a diamond, blinging diamond again. Uh, so, you know, I, ta I talk about color in the book and how we think about color when we're looking at transparencies and refraction. Um, so selecting fabrics as well as being able to technically execute them. Uh, and then ways to use them in projects, in combinations. Um, like my favorite one is on the cover. It's a family circle. So that's a, that's a, that was intended to be a family tree uh, birthstone quilt, but uh, families are very complicated. So there was, this, you know, family circle was the one that kind of encompassed the way we think about who who we count as family, who we talk, who we think about as our family, whether they are blood blood relations or or friends that are very close. Um, people that you've chosen to be your family um, and people, you know, you can, you can, you can choose who you want to honor in this quilt. It doesn't have to have any sort of lineage uh, associations. So, yeah. That's so cool. That's awesome. Hey everyone, we've got a quick announcement. And by announcement, we mean that we're inviting you to a party. That's right, this year we're taking over from Andrea Third Story Workshop as the hostess with the mostess of the party and the quilt back. From October 1st through October 4th, we'll be celebrating the backs of quilts over on Instagram. Too often we forget to give those gorgeously and cleverly pieced quilt backs the recognition they deserve. To celebrate these masterpieces in their own right, we've got a great lineup of sponsors for daily giveaways, and we'll be parting away with our general brand of silliness and shenanigans over on the gram. So start digging through your stacks of quilts for a quilt back or four to celebrate by sharing on Instagram with the hashtag party in the quilt back from October 1st through October 4th. And so you don't miss anything, make sure you follow the hashtag too. Okay, back to the podcast.
So it's time to move on to our rapid fire quilty questions. Are you ready, Andrea? As ready as I'll ever be. Good enough. Okay, Anna, why don't you kick us off? All right. What is your favorite time of day to quilt? Early morning, if my children would sleep in, but they don't. So (laughs) there you have it. (laughs) So while you're quilting, do you wear shoes? No, I wear slippers. Glare-ups are my favorite. So they're, they're wool felt slippers with a substantial sole on them. Music, Netflix, podcasts, or the sound of silence while sewing? All of the above except for Netflix. I can't visual, I can't look at a screen uh, while sewing. It's distracting. Do you have a current favorite music or podcast? My all-time favorite podcast is 99% Invisible. It's all about design. Do you have a favorite snack while you quilt? Um, I don't snack usually when I'm quilting because it's, again, distracting. I'm, like, very focused. <laughs> I try to be very focused because <laughs> um, my time is limited, so I can't, like, you know, I, I know I have 15 minutes or 20 minutes that I got to just focus, but I do like Squish Candies. It's a Canadian company. Uh, they are the best gummies in the entire world, uh, and they have vegan ones, and they have uh, regular ones, but they are amazing. The pineapple ones are my favorite. Or actually, no, the chili ginger hearts are also my favorite. Chili ginger? That sounds good. Yeah. I'm intrigued. (laughs) Yeah. And also your fingers don't get dirty. I know some other people, some other quilters, I will not name names, love Doritos and Cheezies or Cheetos. Oh, I think I know who who you're talking about. (laughs) I don't know how you could eat Doritos or like I will eat pretty much anything with a fork while quilting, which seems very pretentious, but like the idea of having to wash your hands, rats. Well, yeah. it is, well, it is achievable if you have a pair of tongs or chopsticks. <laughs> it's achievable. Chopsticks. I would not be opposed to trying chopsticks um, with Cheetos. I know yeah. I would fail. Like that's <laughs> out of the gate. <laughs> um, what is your favorite traditional block? Sawtooth Star or Log Cabin. What's your favorite color? I like neutrals. So navy, white, black, and gold. As a, I'm going to consider gold a neutral. It's a neutral. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite Kona color? Indigo. Dark, dark navy blue. What color fabric do you use the most? I use a lot of, so Kona, while we're on the subject of Kona's bone is a nice off-white. Mm-hmm. So I use that one a lot. And do you prefer solids or print fabrics? Solids, all the way. I'm mostly scared of prints, um, but I'm learning. I I think that solids just give such a clarity of form. You can really see shapes very clearly with them, so that's why I prefer them. Do you have a favorite line of solids that you use? I mostly use Kona. That's just how I built my stash. Um, But I'm open to, I'm not a, I'm not a, solid snob of anything. <laughs> Going off a little bit tangent, so with your gemology book, have you seen anyone use print fabrics? Yes, people do, and I have too. Um, in the book, you can make like a tiny little six-inch block, or you can scale it up to a 24-inch. You have to pick solid uh, prints, rather, that are uh, that have an appropriate scale of, of uh, pattern on them, so that they don't either chop up the facets too much, or they don't... Um, if there's too many colors within one fabric, then that would kind of muddle the, the facet. Who is your favorite fabric designer? I'm going to have to say Allison Glass. 
I know I talk a lot about neutrals. Uh, I have talked a lot about neutrals, but she has a way of making a modern uh, rainbow very appealing to me. Uh, she also, the way she works with substrates is really fascinating. Shot cottons and uh, woven, different kinds of woven fabrics, her mariner's cloth. Uh, I think there's a lot of, she's very innovative in a lot of different ways. What's the last fabric you bought? So I'm trying to think and I, yeah, I'm pretty sure um, it was uh, when I was working on this double wedding ring quilt. So I bought silk organza and silk chiffon from Maiwa. What's your favorite quilt shop? My quilty home uh, <laughs> is Patch Halifax, which is a quilt shop that opened when I was making that second quilt I was talking to you about. And they had machines uh, that you could rent. And this was at the time when I was like hauling out my machine every every time I wanted to sew. So on Sunday afternoons, I would go over there. And it was like my time to sew and they had just newly opened. So I was one of the first people to use their Bernina's. Uh, and that relationship has blossomed. Like I'm friends with the owner and I teach there. And um, that is my go-to. How do you organize your fabrics? Is it by color, designer, size, print, another category? By color. So I have a neutrals drawer. Um, I have a warm, this is for, for yardage. I have a neutrals drawer. I have a warm color drawer, a cool color drawer. And then my fat quarter colors all are, are all in one other drawer. Prints I don't have a lot of. So those fat quarters, they're usually fat quarters are in a different location. Where do you store your scraps? Um, on the floor. <laughs> Great storage <laughs> technique. <laughs> what sewing notion couldn't you live without? Okay, so I love my Tula paint snips. Yeah, there's no finger holes. You just grab them and they're like tong, you know, like tong shapes. So I don't have to like fumble and stick my clumsy thumb and finger into holes. I just grab the thing and it snips. So I love those. <laughs> what thread brand do you use? Aurifil. Uh, I love Aurifil. It's just beautiful cotton. And um, I also have a curated collection with them. So... <laughs> <laughs> I just love, I just love the, the, the evenness of it. I know some other cotton threads have, are a little bit lumpy, not terribly mm -hmm. so, but I just, I do really love the Orphil. It's just, it's a beauty, beautiful product to work with. Do you have like a particular thread weight that you prefer in the Orphil line? Um, 50 is my go-to, 50 weight, uh, but I do appreciate a good 12. Um, I've used a 30s and 40 for a 30 and 40 for quilting when I want it to stand out. And um, I'm trying to think there was some, another odd one. Their embroidery floss is pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all fun. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now going back to the questions that we have on the script, sorry, pressing preference, open to the dark side or whatever really kind of works for you on the day. Um, so I've formed an opinion about this over the last few years. <laughs> um, my tendency is to, uh, go quickly. So I don't like pressing open. It just takes too long. Um, so I do like pressing to the side, to the dark side, if possible. Sometimes when I'm designing, it gets too complicated to, uh, get the, the, the pressing directions to coordinate amongst blocks. So I will instruct people to, to press open if I can't make it work neatly and nicely for you to press to the side and have things nest well. 
pick one, HSTs, curves, or strip piecing? Or I guess we should throw in paper piecing. Um, I'm going to say HSTs. Ooh, curveball. <laughs> yeah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Machine or hand quilt? Machine. But I would love to be better at hand quilting, but that takes so many hours to be good at it. So someday. Machine or hand bind? Um, hand. What's your favorite part of the quilting process? Design. I like it. It's fast for me. What's one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? I go too fast. I don't, I don't like, I'm not one of those like savoring type people. So uh, hence the lack of hand quilting. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your quilty BFF? So I'm going to have to say it's a group of people. It's my guild. So the Maritime Modern Quilt Guild. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your favorite recent make? Um, I'm just really happy with um, the way that my, the double wedding ring quilt that I was talking to you about uh, turned out. It was a really like experimental for me. I hadn't worked with those fabrics before. Yeah, it was all white on white. Wonderful. Um, how many quilts are in your whip pile right now? Like abandoned whips <laughs> or actual <laughs> ones I intend on You can just plead the fifth on this. <laughs> I have seven projects on the horizon at various stages. Some of them haven't been started yet. And where do you store them? On the floor. <laughs> <laughs> With your scraps. How do you yeah. differentiate your scraps and work in progresses? <laughs> work in progress is usually folded. Scraps are just... Discarded <laughs> like confetti. Yeah. I was going to say confetti. <laughs> do you have any other hobbies? I would say no. I, I have I, I enjoy craft in all sorts. So as as I mentioned, I'm quite a dabbler. So drawing, painting with watercolor, um, block printing, screen printing, all those things I just like to dabble with. Um, now we've got just a couple more questions for you. First up is who are three accounts you think everyone should be following? And a quick word as to why. All right. So for justice, so so numeral for justice underscore SJSA is a kind of offshoot of the social social justice sewing academy. Uh, they are working on a remembrance project. So there's blocks uh, that honor victims of uh, police brutality. That's a very inspiring and I think very um, human account that I, I like to follow. And it helps all of us remember uh, the lives of these people that were significant. Uh, Rachel Dore and Pamela Wiley are two artists that work very closely with their long arm machines. Uh, they do really, really interesting work. That's like their main tool is the long arm. And I find it really fascinating what they can do with that kind of machinery. And then one with millions of followers, it doesn't need any more followers, is <laughs> the Christian Dior account. So just with Dior. Uh, they just have fascinating IGTV segments, uh, just diving deep into how some of their textiles are made. So um, like high fashion, jacquard weaving that takes like, imagine something that takes like six to 12 months to set up just the, the weaving loom. And then it makes these like beautiful uh, textiles for, for the runway. So it's awesome. A great rabbit hole is um, vintage jacquard um, punch cards mm -hmm. because they actually, the patterns are just so cool. So 
plan on wasting a couple hours on that one. <laughs> okay. And before we sign off, uh, do you have any fun projects on the horizon that you can share with us? Yeah, I have um, a block coming out with the Social Justice Academy coming out in October. Uh, my last for the year of fat quarterly collaboration with a local print, a screen printer, Alyssa of Keep House Studios coming out in October as well. Uh, the theme of that one will be Unity, so we're looking forward to launching that. And then sh my shift project, which is a project I've worked on for 10 months or so. I'm collaborating with a weaver in Scotland, and uh, we're working both working on parallel projects using uh, reclaimed fabrics from a raincoat manufacturer here in Nova Scotia. And the output of both of our projects is an animation. So... Um, so, I mean, it's very, it's experimental. It's probably not what any of us would expect. Anyway, it's fun, it's different, but I'm using reverse applique, uh, Ooh. with those fabrics and animating them. So that's really neat. It's a that's busy awesome. fall. <laughs> I guess so. So when, when the project is completed, where can we see it? Um, I will post some clips in my Instagram, on my Instagram feed, but also on my blog. Uh, it's supposed to be exhibited uh, in a physical space. It's supposed to be in a gallery in, in Inverness, Scotland this fall, but we don't actually know if that's going ahead as scheduled. But the next uh, showing of it is supposed to be in 2021 here in Halifax at the uh, one of the university galleries here. Very cool. So we need to wrap up and we hope that you enjoyed today's show. If you like to contact any of us, we can be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadcloth Studio. Wendy. I am the dot weekend quota. Anna. I am at Wax and Wayne Studio. And Andrea. At Third Story Workshop. And that's a number three RD. Um, or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website, quiltbuzzpodcast.com, for all our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you love what you heard, we hope that you'll give us a five-star rating, subscribe to the show on your podcast provider of choice, and tell your friends about us too. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Bye.